Welcome to the Conversations with Commerce Next podcast. I'm your host, Michael LeBlanc. This podcast is brought to you in conjunction with Commerce Next and presented by Comex. Recorded live in person at the 2022 Commerce Next e-commerce growth show, we sat down with some of the top trailblazers and change makers that joined our community in New York City to discuss the future of digital commerce and share the latest strategies for e-commerce acceleration. On this episode, Lisa Permitter, Senior Vice President of Marketing and E-Commerce at Brilliant Earth, and Lauren Thomas, Retail Reporter, CNBC. Talk about sustainability and sustainable competitive advantage. Lauren, Lisa, welcome to the Conversation with Commerce X podcast here, brought to you by Comex. Nice to see you both. Yes, nice to be here in and, person. Yeah, it, it, IRL in person. Lauren, well, I should say welcome back because yeah. you were on a podcast uh, like about a month ago, so... Right. You know, the insights keep coming. Thank I know, you for, I know. Thank more, you for more joining More reasons us. to come back, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. So, And we've seen each other a couple of times, and so it's great to see you again yeah. in person. Lisa, let's start with you. Tell me a bit about yourself, your background, what you do for a living, and uh, let's jump in and start there. Yeah, absolutely. So, Lisa Perlmutter, um, currently SVP of Marketing and E-Commerce at Brilliant Earth. If you don't know Brilliant Earth, we are an yeah, ethically... Yeah, tell us all about it. Oh, good. Yeah, yeah. We're an ethically sourced jewelry com- fine jewelry company. Mm-hmm. Um, been around for 17 years. Um, personally, I'm a digital e-commerce marketing nerd. I've been doing it forever. And now, I you were at it. Sephora, right? Uh, at Sephora. Now, were you there in the Calvin McDonald era? I was. I all was. Right. We overlapped for a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. And... You know, he's doing amazing things at Lulu. Yeah, yeah, yeah he's, he's done well. For, I mean, we were counterparts back in the late 90s uh, oh. in the e-commerce space. I'm from Toronto. We were from Toronto. Wow. So, uh, but he's, he's, done, he's done well. And Lululemon, just, you know, such, such, such a thing. And I, I have a love for your category. I ran marketing for Pandora Jewelry oh. in Canada. So I have some little knowledge about you and the, and the category. So Good to hear. How did you fall into retail? Was it, uh, you know, did you always want to be a retailer? Did you always want to be digital? Tell me about, you know, when you were in the sandbox as a little kid where you were always saying, one day I just want to be in retail. Or how did your journey go? Yeah, it actually started in online travel. I've always huh? had the travel okay. bug. Um, so your passion was for travel and then you wound up in that You got it. Business. And my passion was always travel. And I was at an online travel company and at, I was at Travelocity um, before people were really comfortable buying airline tickets on yeah. their desktop computer. Imagine them doing that. And um, I loved it. And then I loved just the whole online kind of customer acquisition, Mm -hmm. customer buying, giving them the right information. Moved over to to Macy's.com, actually, back Mm -hmm. when Macy's was really in a share shift mode, right? Really, really transitioning from a very large store footprint to really, really driving their digital business. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, and then I walked literally few blocks away to Sephora and started, uh, and and I haven't really looked back. The omni-channel retail model is just what I love. I think it's really interesting. How do you give customers information they need, whether that's online, bringing in the store experience? How do you make sure that those experiences are somewhat connected? Um, Yes, and I've been at Brilliant Earth almost three years. Wow, that's great. Fantastic. Now, so expand on Brilliant Earth a little bit. Stores, online. Yeah, we were started um, mission-driven business started to really, and that's what Lauren and I were talking about mm-hmm. together, um, started really about how do you change the jewelry industry from within? Mm. This was back in the days of, you know, the Blood Diamond movie, mm-hmm, you remember? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, you know, the founders really thought, hey, th- there should be no human suffering from diamond mining, and really founded this business on that premise. 
Um, and since then, you know, in addition to ethically sourced gemstones and diamonds, it's how do we think about recycled gold? Mm. How do you think about mm. sustainability? How do we think about inclusivity? And just, just a really mission-driven organization, which you don't see that much in the jewelry category. Yeah. Now, how does it? someone in your category... You know, I've been talking about table stakes versus differentiators. And early on, your approach, you know, conflict-free, blood-free, that would have been a, a, you know, a differentiator. Yep. It's not really a differentiator much anymore. So how do you think of that in the context of the spectrum from being different, or from being, that's a table stake now, what makes me different. I still see it's a big value proposition of your brand, right? So yep. how, how do you think about that? I think that's a really great point. Yeah. I'm I'm happy to say it's no longer a differentiator. I'm happy yeah, to say Yeah, I think that, we're all happy about that. Right, right? on the right. natural diamond side, that's it's great that that's become table stakes. I would say as we think about how to make more things table stakes, it's differentiators now. We use 92% mm. recycled metals. Mm. You know, mm. gold is actually one of the worst things in the world to mine from the earth. Yeah. So how do we use more recycled metals, both in gold and you know other precious metals? Do you think there'll be a day where consumers are, are enjoying manufactured diamonds? I mean, the you know I, I also worked for the Shopping Channel, which is like QVC North, and of course we had our own brand. You know, you got an engagement ring lately. I, you know, right? <laughs> how you feel would real or not real? I mean, you can tell the the not real ones are absolutely perfect versus the flawed. Is is there? Right. A, is there a movement or a differentiator? Like, how do you think about it, Lauren? I think so, right? And you could probably attest to the fact that, I mean, that's probably already happening, right? You have some consumers that are, are totally okay with that. And, yeah, so I, I feel like, you know, maybe it's starting with that that younger generation. And I think there's a, certainly an, mm. a level of education that's involved. Um, but, yeah, I, I feel like well, that's... Well, um, yeah. <laughs> the rarer versus... I know. We, uh, so we, we like to offer our customers whatever they would want. Lab-created, right. sure. mine right. diamonds. Right. Um, they both have a place in, in the ecosystem, we believe. Mm-hmm. Um, just, you know, for the record, lab diamonds, they're actually made of the same chemical material. Mm-hmm. They're all made of carbon, and it's just how long it's been pressed and how long it's either it's been manufactured in a lab or the Earth right. created it over a few million years. But, you know, we do see space for both. Yeah. Right. Right, we, on. We're, right on. We want to offer the, the products. Um, Versus are there some, I'll, I'll jump in with a question yeah. too, like some companies, some brands, you know, have gone all in one way yeah. or the other, right? I mean, you see some of that. So maybe the hybrid approach you found is the best way to, to go. Yeah. We, um, we, we do see some brands will yeah. we'll feature go all in on lab created right. or go all in on, on natural. Um, we... For our customers, we want to offer breadth of choice, mm-hmm. breadth of price point choice, yeah. by the way. And look as well, and look and, and feel, look, right? And look, look and feel. feel. Large, you know, larger, more, more statement pieces that hit a price point that Got are it. different. All right. Right. Let's talk about you, Lauren. Yeah, so, sure. uh, you know, very familiar face, certainly, uh, to those who follow retail. You've done, as we've discussed, amazing job following the retail industry. But tell us a little <laughs> bit about you. your background, what sure. you do for a living, and uh, let's start there. Yeah, perfect. Um, again, Lauren, uh, cover the retail industry for CNBC. I've been there um, a little more than five years now, which is crazy. It just feels like a long time um, within the journalism yeah, world. Yeah, Maybe yeah. anywhere. <laughs> um, but, yeah, and so really, Can we, can we know, call I, you a veteran retail reporter like now? I feel I think. like I am. You know, I, I know I'm. You know, I'm young. I may be young, um, younger, but certainly feels that way. <laughs> you know, and, and uh, you know, because you see people come comment in and sure, out, and, sure. and there's there's a bit of a, a turnover maybe, and, yep. and people kind of evolve on in, the, in their careers. But yeah, I've, I've kind of written it out. Obviously, I, I got to know the retail industry and companies and kind of certain evolutions. 
you know, prior to the pandemic and then got thrown into that uh, in early 2020. It felt mm. like 2020 was the year of, um, you know, bankruptcies, which I know we discussed a little bit on the, the last podcast that I was on. Um, a lot of distress and kind of companies finding their, their footing. And then 2021 was a bit of a, you know, a, a, there had been that shakeout. And so it was like, you know, businesses maybe were back on solid ground. The consumer mm. was back out mm-hmm. and spending. And so now it's 2022. And uh, are we staring down a recession, you know, when, right. it, when and if that is going to come. Uh, and yeah, it's, it's, you know, I feel for retailers and just having covered them in this, in this period of a few years and just like all the things, I mean, including you all that you have to adapt, you know, sometimes mm. at a, a moment's notice, like literally, and now just trying to figure out what, what that industry is going to look like if, and when, you know, we kind of go into this, you know, economic down, downturn, yeah. um, for, for a sustained period of time. So yeah, again, you know, going back to your question, cover the retail industry, you know, it's, it's a little bit of everything. It's companies like Brilliant Earth, yep. you know, digitally native, native players. Um, and then, you know, the stalwarts like, uh, a, a, uh, Macy's or, you know, uh, Gap. If you're enjoying this podcast, please be sure and hit that subscribe button on your favorite podcast platform. So you don't miss another great episode. We'll be right back with this special 2022 Commerce Next e-commerce growth show bonus episode right after this message. After two years of unprecedented growth, some think e-commerce has hit its peak. So what comes next? As businesses look to enter the next year of e-commerce growth, Comic serves as a guide to get them there. Led by best-in-class technology providers across the commerce ecosystem, including Bloomreach, Miracle, Cinch, ShipBob, and Avalara, Comex offers exclusive research, benchmarking, data, and more, empowering businesses to deliver a commerce experience that drives measurable revenue growth. Learn more at commerceexperience.com. That's commerceexperience.com. You were on the podcast about a month ago, and nothing's happened since then that I can I know, think of. Right. Oh, wait. A few things have happened, yeah. right? So there seems to be, you know, I think we'd all agree the retail apocalypse mm-hmm. narrative was kind of misinformed. Yeah. It was more it, overdone. Though yeah. there was tremendous transformation happening. But now we see some, at least by value of the market, some mm-hmm. digital native vertical brands in the past mm-hmm. kind of month. This is just a moment in time. Mm-hmm. Like you cover it extensively, and, and we see some shortfalls and and yeah. is it is there something else going on and then i want to talk about this the whole idea of sure. when and if a recession yeah but i want to cut, get back to that but what's your perspective on what you've been observing for the past month more recently yeah, yeah. i mean it's so one example and i don't know if you were referring to the story um revlon a, a big cosmetics giant uh filed for chapter 11 bankruptcy um just a few days yeah. ago can't get and enough stuff to make our product apparently i know right i mean that yeah. was they to be sure you know they had they had a lot of debt. They had their own troubles kind of on the back end where they literally just didn't have money to, to pay for stuff. But at the same time, you know, this, these supply chain issues that the company was facing um, it did really weigh, weigh them down. And so, you know, now they're trying to, to restructure and they've got some financing that will help carry them through. And, and we'll see what it looks like, you know, on the, on the other side for them. But, yeah, I mean, that kind of sparked this bigger conversation of like, OK, that happened to them. Like, what what else could we see kind of transpire in mm. the retail industry, I think it's going to be a case, as it always is, of winners and losers, right? There are certain businesses that are in categories. You know, jewelry, I feel like, has been one of them. Jewelry has held up so well during the pandemic, and now you've got the year of the wedding. This has got to be the year of the it, wedding, right? This and next year, right? year of the wedding. Yeah. The year of the, like, they, this got to be this year and next year, right? The, the claim totally. is the most weddings in 20 years. The right. most weddings in 20 years. Well, we know what happens in three years after the most weddings in <laughs> yeah. 20 years, so I guess you right. 
thinking about that the, for the, the year yeah, of the baby the boom, ba- right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. But no, so so categories that um, you know are holding up fairly well, and and certainly you you have this divide also of you know the, the higher income consumer is is still doing well or maybe better off than the lower income consumer. Mm. So watching that divide kind of play out and almost intensify, I think is probably going to be a theme, you know, from from here on out and the holiday season. You know, I just feel like it's going to be every year. I'm like, I think that or every year that I've done this, I always think this is going to be like the most interesting like holiday, most dynamic <laughs> holiday ever. And then like the next year, it is another it. most. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. It always keeps getting more fascinating. So I was me. talking to uh, my first guest uh, this morning, Suchirita Kadali from Forrester, yeah, yeah. and we got to talking about a couple things. One of which was this: I asked her, "Are we are we talking our way into a recession?" Mm-hmm. Like, That's a great question because yeah. <laughs> you know the numbers. And I I had the opportunity to interview. Um, uh, chief economist from, from Deloitte, and oh, I asked wow. him the same yeah. question. And I said, I, you know, I, there's going to be a recession. I mean, that's not an if. It's a matter of when and how mm-hmm. severe. But he said, you know, I don't see it in the numbers. And, mm-hmm. and Suchirudi was saying the same thing. There's, the, there's a lot of talk about it. Mm-hmm. But when you look at the fundamental numbers of, like, you know, employment in the United States, is almost there's no employment, right, right. practically, if you take into friction. So what, how yeah. are you, how do you, what, what's your lens on it? I mean, you, yeah. it's obviously a part of the narrative and a part for of sure. the story, and companies make it a part of the story. That everybody's worried about it. You know, how do we get ready for it? But is it just going to happen because consumer confidence just gets battered by the talk about tougher times ahead. Like, how do you how do yeah. you think about that? No, it's great. I know. I, I agree. I think there and there are so many different data points and numbers sure. that you can look at too. Right there. Are, dozens and dozens of surveys kind of on this stuff. I mean, you look at what I think a big thing is what, um, you know, some of the big banks are, are saying and what they're hmm. predicting. Um, I feel like that's always been an important indicator in the past. I think it was Jamie Dimon kind of made headlines um, a few weeks back when he described it as this hurricane situation on the horizon, mm-hmm. you know, speaking to a recession. And I know that that got a lot of um, pickup and, and people, you know, paid attention to that, you know, paid mm-hmm. attention to to things that he predicts, you know, this big, big bank. Um, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. You know, I'm not, I'm not a, uh, an economist per se. Nor, I, I nor do you have a crystal ball, do, by the way, right? Yeah. But the one thing I guess I'll say is, I mean, I do, I, I talk to a lot of these sure. retailers and, and executives, um, and it does seem like everyone has that plan in place hmm. for a contingency plan, so to speak, for, yeah. you know, okay. if and when that, that happens. All right. So. Lisa, let's, let's get back to what you were um, talking about on the panel, sustainability and the role of sustainability. So, um, you know, consumers, in my experience, have always had this difference between what they say and what they do around sustainability and green. Though the, the, you know, I always would frame it, there's some consumers who make a decision, I call them dark green. Every decision is driven by sustainability. And on the opposite end of the spectrum is people who couldn't care less about sustainability. And that middle point has been moving towards concern about sustainability used in your category, you know, where does my product come from? How do you see it and how do you position around it? carefully and what are you hearing from your customers in terms of its role of in the buying process it's, it's, talk about that a bit I mean there's a million studies we could talk about one of them is you know two-thirds of customers and the millennial and gen gen z are are buying only from brands that have their shared values like their shared mm-hmm. values whether mm-hmm. that be about sustainability or inclusivity I can tell you that what we see from our customers is is you know they don't just want they're really demanding to know these things like there there is a movement here it is it's real. We're, we're excited about it because we yeah. think it's the right 
thing to do for everyone. Well, you, you've been doing it for 17 been years. Doing so it from you're the beginning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's also the right thing to do for the planet and the next generation and my kids and your kids and all that good stuff. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I do think that more and more people, especially when it comes to highly considered purchases, and I'm, mm-hmm. I haven't been in the fashion industry for a while, mm-hmm. so I can't speak to that. But on the, the highly considered purchases, I think people are much more in tune and much more make final buying decisions mm. based on that, even if it costs a little more. Do, do you see that, um, and I've heard from other retailers, this, this moving point about maybe I'll spend a dollar this year. I was going to spend a dollar, but I'm, I'm not going to buy five items. At, at 20 cents, I'm going to buy one item for a dollar. Are you, are you getting any sense of that from, like, I'm going to invest in other, because that's a very good way to be sustainable, too. I'm not going to buy a lot of jewelry. I'm going to buy that one highly considered fine piece that I'm going to keep for the rest of my life kind of thing. Yeah, we, we are seeing that. And, you know, we, we see people saying, like, yeah, hey, I'm not going to buy throwaway jewelry, throwaway clothing anymore. Right. Like I'm gonna, I'm gonna really invest and and in things. And you know, something we're we're excited about doing is, you know, we we really promote circularity. So whether that means bringing in mm. your old products and having them created into something new and beautiful mm. using that recycled metal. Um, and do you have a program that yeah. facilitates that? Yeah, Talk so, about, say more about that. Yeah, so customers can bring in sort of. Items from grandma's, I don't want to, you know, items from grandma's attic, whatever it sure, is, sure. in the fine, obviously in the fine fine jewelry category. And we can take that and, and buy that back from them and, and create something really beautiful as they want. Hmm. Um, we also really look at repairs. So our jewelry repairs is really thinking about longevity of a product, mm-hmm. right, versus always buying new. So how do you just extend the life of products versus, and um, that was talked about this morning as well. Like, how hmm. do we... As, as retailers shift and pivot, like think about repairs for longer term, yeah. think about trade-ins, think about up, upgrades, right? And we these, have a, these things are good pragmatic traffic drivers too, yeah. right? I mean, they get people absolutely back into your brand because they, you know. Diamond upgrades. That's a great example. Diamond upgrades. Right? So if you buy a, a setting and you love the setting and the design, you later, a few years down the road, you want to upgrade your diamond. Like mm-hmm. that's, that's something I think is great as well. So oh, Interesting. All right, last question, Lauren. Yes. Uh, I'll start with you. The two, the idea that two starts and one stops. So you're so, a great observer know, of the industry. Yeah, from right? my my point of view. Your point of view. What what <laughs> from taking in all that? Like how many conversations you have a week with in the retail right. industry? <laughs> a lot uh, of different people. <laughs> a lot of different people. A different lot of roles. senior levels, but also a lot of different moving parts. Mm-hmm. Two things you would advise retailers, e-commerce marketers to start doing, and one thing that you're you right think now, isn't working like, as much. Yeah. Yeah. That you're hearing in the market right now. Right. Now, yeah. um, let's, let's start, like getting ready for the holiday. I mean, we're yeah, we're now totally. getting ready for holidays, Black well, Friday and the holidays, right? Let's think through. I mean, one uh, maybe a start would be this is from what I've heard. If, if you've got too much, you've got a lot of inventory. I was speaking to someone yesterday. His advice, or their advice, and I think this is shared uh, from other folks that have spoken to as well. Discount now, like kind of the expectation in the industry is that promotions are coming within certain categories. Mm. So it's almost best to just get out ahead of it. You know, put some put July's stuff. July's a good month for that, right? July's yeah. Well, you also have you've got Amazon holds its and you know it's made yeah. up manufactured holiday, but Prime Day is right around the corner. And I know Target and some of these other companies 
are they always kind of match and do mm. deals around that that day as well. Um, so yeah, I think an opportunity there. Don't is, sleep on your inventory, yeah, as the kids would say. Right? Yeah, just get out before it gets. You know, it's going to get really messy. I think noisy, and and that's kind of the expectation as the year drags on. Again, in certain categories, I think mm-hmm. where inventories have piled up, apparel and yeah. home goods are, are two mm-hmm. good examples of that. Um, I'm trying to think of the the well. Can I skip to the don't? I'm sure. going to skip to the don't, and sure. then I'm going to come back to another do. Don't, I would say, don't. I've seen a lot of brands get into um, NFTs and kind of this this Web3 world without really having a great strategy or a reason to do it, you know, and, and having... Um, substance there i guess mm. with so you, you know, must get you must get I, pitched these stories yeah, right hey we're doing this we're you know right cover and us I, because we're doing sure these, and right? i get that i get that brands want to be um kind of you know to have a play there in in this this world but i just think there's still i, I don't think you have to like rush out in front of it so to speak like if it's gonna be there it's gonna be there mm. um so I would just, you know, from from just watching, you know, different, um, not speaking to any companies in particular, but I just feel like there's been this this rush into that world, um, and, and and it doesn't always make sense, right? Um, so that's that's my don't. Um, I don't know. My other do would be uh, talk to me. I guess you know. It's, uh, <laughs> Pick up the phone when you call. Oh, yeah, right? Don't yeah, be yeah. afraid. No, Pick up the phone. No, it's just uh, always appreciate the the transparency for sure. Um, no, I mean I know I I, I don't know. I, I think it's it's uh, an interesting time. Again, there's so much going on just within the economy, right? And I think businesses are trying to navigate that for sure. But I think at the same time, that there's going to be really interesting stories to tell around how companies do navigate that you know period of time rather than than kind of going dark and quiet. And you know, I get that you know maybe there are some obstacles to work through, but I just think it'll make for very interesting stories of companies that. You know, manage through it, and that are better. You know, on the other better side the of other it. Side. So, yeah, it's good. You know, hopefully, a lot of good stories to be told in the coming months. All right, Lisa, let's talk about uh, two starts, <laughs> one stop, and uh, then maybe we'll talk about that. You know, when do you know the sweet spot between do I play along with other promotions or do I let them have their own? That's <laughs> a whole other. Ca- it's jewelry is an interesting Shoot. category, though. I feel like for you know, I don't know how many deals there are in like that's you know in that space would you yeah, describe yourself yeah. as a, a, a everyday or a high low retailer pri- like price wise you do deals to we, right, generate traffic and and we um we're not really a promotional company yeah. we don't we don't discount we don't strike okay. through pricing that's just not who we are mm-hmm. frankly it's once companies start doing it, it could be a race to the bottom so mm-hmm. you know the problem with a race to the bottom is sometimes you win right that's yeah. a fair point but yeah. <laughs> the bottom all keeps sinking when yeah. you're well, that's what I mean. You don't want to win that. It's a race you don't want to win. Exactly. That's right. So two starts, one stop Let's from see. your perspective. <laughs> one start. Well, since I was talking about sustainability and that's kind of core to who we are, I would say companies need to kind of large and small, big and small, really look at even small things. Hmm. Every every team member can make changes. I, I was hmm. speaking on the panel of like, it's everything from the paper you buy. Is it recycled and recyclable? All the way to, you know... The packaging you buy to send your products in, the packaging that packaging comes in, right? Oh, like, oh, like okay. it's the things you don't even think about that actually can be impactful and forcing functions with the vendors you work but with. Get into that value chain and pull it apart yeah. and find those and And find right? and ask questions of the vendors and suppliers you're using. Like, really use this as a forcing function time, hmm. um, especially wherever happens to the current current market. Yep. I'd say that's, that's one start. The other start, I would say, is... Um, you know, we're coming out of COVID. There's a lot of hybrid teams. 
Mm. I would say there's, Mm. you know, I think there's still a good deal of burnout and still a good deal of like, what does a new hybrid work environment mean? Mm. I don't, I don't have a crystal ball of what it's going to look like. I live in San Francisco and I don't think anyone's quite figured it out, but I would say, you know, start trying to work with team members to see what's going to work for your team long-term, you know, I think. Um, and really addressing kind of burnout and keeping the team members you want happy and engaged and, mm. um, and that, and, and just focus on, focus on the team and, and that, that who, that's who drives your business every day. And what are you going to do less of as you head into the, yeah, the holidays? Yeah, the, the stop. Um, <laughs> I know we're, Black Friday's almost here. TikTok. It's around Seriously. the corner, TikTok. Man. I tell you. telling me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and Amazon's created an additional Black Friday, right. so we're, we're thankful for that. Um, <laughs> What am I going to stop? I would say I I will take a take one from from a Lawrence and add add to that of like just stop doing some things like, right like you got mm. never ending to do lists your team has never ending priorities mm. find a few and just stop doing them mm. like if they're not driving value they're not making your teams happy they're not find them and cross them off and tell people not to focus on them and focus on other things and I think we don't. We don't do that check balance enough. I don't do that check balance enough because I'm mm. excited by new things. I was talking to Charlie Cole from FTD, and we were talking about priorities. And, and I, I'm a big trilogist. I like things in threes because, you know, some, you're tempted always to go in front of boards and executives. And, okay, here's the seven things you're going to fix. Seventy. Yeah, yeah, seven and seventy <laughs> things. But eventually, you, you know, if you, you, you kind of look back and you say, I'm never going to get right. quality progress on any past three to five, right, if, if all goes well. So I think that's a great piece of advice. Well, listen, thank you both for joining me on Commerce Next. Wonderful to meet you both. And Lauren, great to see you again. Look forward to your reporting about another uh, very busy... No, I won't won't drum it up, you know, until it happens. We'll see. All right. Well, we can can count on you. And and again, for the retailers and listening, uh, pick up the phone when you call and uh, and share. And uh, thank you both for being on the podcast. Have a great day. Thanks so much. Bye. Thanks for tuning into this episode of Conversations with Commerce Next. Please follow us on Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, or your favorite podcast platform, where we will be sharing career advice and marketing strategies from e-commerce and digital marketing leaders at retailers and direct-to-consumer brands each and every episode. Commerce Next is a community, event series, and conference for marketers at retail and direct-to-consumer brands. Through our online forums, interviews, webinars, summits, and other in-person events, we harness the collective wisdom of our community to help marketers grow their businesses and advance their careers. Join Commerce Next events to meet other industry leaders and learn the latest e-commerce and marketing strategies. You can find upcoming events at commercenext.com. Have a fantastic week, everyone.